West Limerick 102, your community radio station. The following is the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 14th of October 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Catherine Corwell and Damien Harrington. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome folks, it is Wednesday night. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM broadcasting from Newcastle West. This programme is going out live, it's County Views, every Wednesday night from half nine, nine till eleven and repeated tomorrow evening, Thursday from seven until half past eight. And if you want to call in or text in on any topic whatsoever, 0696600 or 0871069800. And the panel tonight is Catherine Caldwell and Damien Harrington. Catherine, of course, is from living in Drumcollar. And Damien is living in the beautiful village of Vidal. And Tom Ryan is living in the very nice rural location of Clarina. Am I right there, Tom? Mungrish. Mungrish. <laughs> I mean, it sounds better, all right, I can imagine. I'm sure Matt Taney would be pleased with that comment. Clarina, it is Mungrish. Like if you're from Radkeel or anywhere near and you're from Adair, I think it's going to be sensible. A couple of people dropped in newspapers to me today. One dropped me in the examiner, the other one dropped me in the Irish Daily Mail about a letter that is on it and they said I should read it out. And it says, we are on the slippery slope to culture that pushes debt. It is ironic that the so-called Dying with Dignity bill was introduced into the doll as we enter palliative care week. Several professionals from the hospice and palliative care sector have warned that this bill is a Trojan house which will ruin our current gold standard of end-of-life care, where the patient, family and loved ones receive superb comfort, support, pain management and person-to-person accompaniment to assist them through the dying process. The bill seeks to make it possible for patients in certain circumstances to mandate that their caregiver team administer to them a little substance. Uh, it is deceptive to speak of choice when someone is distraught and shocked by life-altering diagnosis, feeling isolated, isolated, bereft of support and fearful in the face of what might happen and nudged even pressurised into ending their life. All of us are disempowered by such legislation. It, surround, it surrounds decisions with loaded language where a particular trajectory may have been even presumed. It is hard to resist this ethic of ambivalence, denying our stringent worth and undermining the impulse of our nearest and dearest of, to care for us all. All self-harm, suicide and self-destructive acts of an attempt to escape pain or being a burden on one's family. Let's not exacerbate this by making people feel unwanted and ensuring the system is loaded against them, as is the experience in other states. Let's support life-affirming relationships, sustaining resilience, building policies. 
the road Duffy Cork. Now that came into that letter didn't, but the topic came into was just at the end of the program last week. So I said I'd include theirs. I said a few people dropped it in. So Tom. Yeah, it's a hot topic at the moment, Pat. You know, and <coughs> I was very surprised uh, last week to see the the vote in the doll and it's going through to the next stage. Um, and uh, you know, Michael Pinocan was here. He he explained to us the the procedure there as regards what happens with the bills and when there. This is a private members' bill I think brought in by one of the well, was it Michael Horsey name again? Uh, I'm not too sure of the name. But he did brought it in, but it has been in. The um, in, in the in the pipeline for a while because you know again the media were introducing it gradually and uh, <coughs> it, it was gaining momentum now we spoke about it about three weeks ago or maybe longer in the program we mentioned it briefly and I did, I, I, I felt at the time that, that this wouldn't get a, a, even a hearing you know because the connotations that are attached to it are shocking but like everything else the arguments have been put very strong the arguments against are not so strong and the, the voices against it much like the the uh, Eighth Amendment, you know, they're, they're silent. And uh, with the, those two letters that you mentioned that you that you were copies of today, I've, I've heard very little debate in favour of the, or, or in against the actual bill being made into law. I'd be shocked if it came into law and I'd be totally opposed to, to it. But in saying that, Pat, there is a, a broad area here. <clears throat> Palliative care is, is, is outstanding when it's available. Hospice care is also. I mean, these people are, are they're saints walking this earth when, it's, when that care is available. But, I mean, there are areas and there are countless areas where it's not available. And uh, our health service and our care of the elderly is shocking in that regard. So, like, you know, there's this is going to be a hard-fought battle and a late the abortion you'll never know where it'll go Catherine it's it's one of the things that, that, that we have a difficulty in facing very often is the, the slow demise of those that we love and where that person is in pain it's often convenient to think in terms of you know, sort of a fast release. But recently I've been watching um, programmes such as um, <clears throat> Zac Efron's Down to Earth, where he's gone to the blue zones. So these are areas of the world where people are living valid, worthwhile, energetic lives up into their hundreds, centenarians, being... And their lives being one of engagement, of activity, of involvement with community. And it's it's almost as if we've we've lost that viewpoint. Here in Ireland there was always a tradition of people being at home, of multi-generational families. And that has changed in our in our lifetimes, do you know? So now it's a case that people go into nursing homes, my, my own mother. I wanted to stay home and mind my mum. My family felt that that was me giving up my life. You said they go into nursing homes or they are put into nursing homes? Well, my mum chose to go into the nursing home because she felt unsafe. 
and the only way for her not to feel unsafe was for me to either go in and live with her but my family was against it unsafe because there was nobody to care for her at home there was a burglary and she got tied up yeah, it was a yeah. terrible scenario Tom to be honest um, but she knew the nursing home because her sister had been there so it was a feeling that, and she spent a, a good 10 years in the nursing home itself Happy do you know well she was she was very very early on in the piece she had dementia so she was there and not there and that's a very hard scenario for the family to deal with but we went in and we sang songs with her and she could remember songs from the past she couldn't remember what she had for dinner 10 minutes before do you know so those sort of situations are ones that are difficult for people to deal with and we have a tendency especially people like myself who are I mean I'm not young but I'm not old like we don't want to be dealing, talking about it. We, 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 you know, we're not the generation who sit with a body overnight. Do you know? We don't. We don't want to think about death. We don't want to face death. We are, I suppose, the generation that sits with yeah. the body overnight because we're that age group, and our parents either have died or have moved close to their thereabouts. So. A lot of people now find it very strange that you'd sit with the body overnight. The body is either in the in the in the nursing home, in the funeral parlour, in the church. It's hardly at home. Down here, there's still the tradition. But very often up in Dublin, there isn't that tradition. I might have taken you up around there now that you're saying the old tradition, but that's literally gone anyway, almost in rural Ireland, where people stay up all night with the wake situation. I assumed you were saying that we weren't at the age group where our parents are dying the way. Oh, no, no, it's it's sitting with the body. Yeah. Sitting with the body. I mean, my sister now, my, my one of my nieces died very young. Before she was 30, she died of breast cancer. And she couldn't bear the idea that she'd be alone in the church overnight. So we sat with the body. Yeah. You know, and you know, sort of, so it's it's something that has been so this there's been this slow attrition of us moving away from death, and now it seems like we want to move away from the realities of dying, and, of the process. And at my age, Catherine, I think there's moving closer to it. We are, you know. But it's something we should embrace as a positive aspect of our lives. Yeah, I, I must say now that you're on that topic. Don Lushikon, he was a very fine poet, I don't know if you come across him. He had a beard and he was called to his Nakfir, and a brilliant poet, he brought out many, many books. But I never, ever in my life, I, I, I did an interview with him here on a story in a song, and he went through dates, what he was, he got cancer and the whole lot and experience. I, I, I just thought, I must repeat it again, because it was incredible the way he faced it like, literally looking forward and analysed every bit of it and so forth. He didn't hide away from it, whereas other people that told they have cancer and they don't mention it to anybody, how put it down, but he literally gave us the full diagnosis of the aspect of it and so forth, you know. Damien, you're in the younger generation, so... Yeah, as you're speaking about that, I had two very close relations who, who died from the, the, same, the same problem. And uh, my dad, my dad uh, had it, and uh, he wanted to get home, and we took him home, and he was fine. He was fine, and he was chatting to me, and I took him up the stairs and put him to bed, and uh, I got a phone call. Actually, I was called when I went back to bed myself. 
he's not, he's not responding. But my mum then was completely different. Uh, she fought for life all the way, and she survived nine months, nine months with the problem, but she, she battled all the way. So it's just two different, two different people. But um, as you're as you're speaking about um, what you're speaking about there, both of them, both of them um, didn't want didn't want to go into a nursing home. Both of them, and we brought them home and the relations, and we it was around the clock. A man that I know died some some years back, and he got cancer also, and he was taken into the. Hospital and the hospice people and all of those people were called and they explained to him this, that, and the other thing, all the different areas that he would be getting help with and assistance on. So on his his wife then said that I'm taking him home to care for him at home, and she ordered a taxi and. For those people who would know the man now, he was hilarious. Like he was out in the hallway anyway, waiting for the taxi, and uh, the nun from Milford came along, and she says, calling him by his name, "How do you feel after all of that?" He said, "I'm feeling effing fine, but the only one you left out was the undertaker." So they gave him all the things like soap. He went home and he lived many quite a good while after. But bringing them all in and so forth, you'd wonder, you know, it's the same old story. Should people be told in the olden days it was withheld? You, you just lived on and where there's life, there's hope. But in recent times, due to all this right, righteousness and whatnot, you have to tell them, you have to tell them. And I know a good friend of mine, he was a very nice chap indeed. He was only his 40s. And he was told he had cancer. I say he literally went like a bang. He was gone in no time. The, there's a there's a phrase called the nocebo. We've heard of the placebo effect. So the positive effect of belief that something's going to yeah. be positive for you. But there's, but like there's, the also, there's also there's <coughs> also that nocebo. If you if you get told the negative, you believe the negative, you you go into it almost more quickly. Tom, well, quick comment on. But we're moving away from the issue here. You know, I mean, I know. Well, simple, yeah, you know, we've been offline there, like a course in the course and the course and but um, you know. Nobody picked it up, Tom. Yeah, well. I, <laughs> The situation is that uh, it's very, it's a very serious situation, and people would want to be to study carefully. And uh, we know pain can be pain. Anyone who's been through pain in operations, or but even with minor pain, even with toothache, some people suffer greatly. And as I said, the whole the whole concept of 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 our elderly care here leaves an awful lot to be desired. And as a result of that, this like assist assists in dying. Like, it's been, you know, it's been kind of brought forward now as, you know, with a lot of sweetness with it. But really and truly, it has huge ramifications, like through relationships, and everything is, is can be encapsulated into it. And people, and I was actually surprised to see it being passed at the first reading, like at the first introduction in the doll. Passed fairly comfortably as well. And uh, like the other... Like the other famous one that was brought in, the, the Bosham one, and uh, the Eight Amendment was brought in for mainly for women's health. I don't see where I could never relate that to women's health. What's happened since the Bosham's are, are 
you know, gun out of all control now, like in, but that's the way we voted for it, and we had, and the same thing could happen here if people aren't aware of, of this, and maybe they want, maybe people will want it, you know, we're living in different times, Pat. 66,666 in the first year, isn't it? Yes. And Pat, we're living in strange times, people are thinking different, people are working, people, maybe the elderly are becoming a nuisance, and, you know, a lot of it is, we can relate it to the present COVID situation. They, they are very vulnerable, and I'm elderly as well, I'm one of them, and, uh, you know, we see what what the, the, the actual consequences of our behaviour can uh, happen when, when an elderly person with, with other like problems can get it, or even with no other problems I can can be when it can be like contacted. I mean, we see the difference. So, I mean, it doesn't appear to be registering with people at all. So, like, as a people, we're different now than other, but that maybe it's the times, maybe it's just the way it's going to be going forward. So, let's look and see what's going to happen. Dying with dignity, see, Catherine. And the, the, the dying with dignity aspect is one that is, is a very good sell point. Yeah. But in reality, dying with dignity is facing into the natural process of death and, and embracing, I, as far as I'm concerned, embracing speeding, death speeding. in terms of how it, yeah. how it emerges for you. Yeah, but, but this bill is really that if somebody, they feel their time is nearly up, then give them an injection and speed it up. Well, there's there are some cultures who would still see that as being a, a form of suicide. Now we're talking about we yeah. stick to Ireland because that's the bill that's gone through. You see, Pat, this has been introduced, you see, like, and again, we we can relate it at the end of life to we relate it to palliative care when 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 it's. I mean, you can have sudden death. I was, I mean, my cousin was buried today, fifty-four years of age. She was home reading a book, and uh, he she passed away. And uh, I was at another funeral on Sunday. I, you know, I mean, went to pay my respects by being there and by being just outside the church, and that woman had. Had suffered a little from dementia, and that natural fact at that funeral, I met a good few people in Clare, and I met a good few people there that listened to her, listened to the program, and and have, and said it was a very enjoyable program. They didn't, they loved it. These people were incredible, and that here around the new market in Clare Castle. So that's you know it's good to hear that as well that people listen in and people in Clare. So the point about it, you see, Pat, is that we have, I mean, we have. Tremendous people working in this area, dedicated people that are really saints. But when you see that our hospices and our palliative care teams have to be supported by voluntary contributions, I mean, and when you see the millions of the actual billions of euros that are spent in in that area, like and wasted in that area, it's a shocking. You see, it leaves then the actual way opening for for the people that are extreme. You know, well, one, one of the things that concerns me is <coughs> that I, I can understand aspects of a person, a person having choice. So having the wherewithal to have choice. One would say in those circumstances, just as in other very life-changing choices that people might be undergoing, that you actually have counselling. Do you know? 
So that, that, and, and this is something that we do. So that, and we, we try and give young people counselling so that they don't want to suicide. Do you know? And it's a horrendous thing to see people wanting to. The reality is, is that the people who have no ability to make the choice yeah are are their lives going to be shortened too this is the worry i think that people have that people within the family can make a choice rather than it just being the person themselves you, so that becomes that swampy area now for me personally i feel that we need to embrace and to facilitate the palliative care and the the dying with true dignity, do you know? Not dying afraid of dying, do you know? Where where people are, but to actually go back to a situation where people almost meditatively embrace death as a process to, to something that is going to be, in my belief, a, a, a better time, a better place, and, and an engagement with God. But if people are living in fear of that or in fear of actually living in pain, then the easiest way, especially for people who have no belief in a, in a, in a beyond, is to just cut it off. And I think that it's, it's my, my fear is that it's, it's part and parcel of a, of a culture that is becoming more and more unaccepting of the reality of pain and time. It's a very, very complex area, of course, and we all would be familiar with people when they get a bit older, a bit doddery, and many of the people coming after them, they're more interested in what's in the will or what money is left or what property is left. And so if you could shift shift them out of the way, like like a couple I know in Dublin, they bought a house from this man, he was in his 85 or thereabouts, and they were 20 years younger. He lived 105, they left him possession of the house, they bought the house, paid him for the house, and they'd take it over when he died. But they were bought dead before him, so sometimes people aren't happy by, for waiting. You know. So we'll hold that one there because it'll be discussed, I'm sure, many a night from here on out. But now, that, totally before we leave it, yeah. would, would, it would be good to, to invite people to come in into the programme and, you know, and, 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 and give their opinion on it. Anyone who has strong views yes. on either side of it. We'll welcome yeah. you in invite, so we'll yeah. hopefully that they might come in. Indeed, we would welcome anybody in on the topic. So I'll move on from that because we'll be coming up again again. Two little quickie stories. I was driving in the beautiful village of Ballingarry today and a man drove out in front of me from the filling station and I blew the, as Robbie McMahon said, I, I stood in my hooter and blew the hooter at him, you know, because I could have easily hit him if I didn't stop and pulled out beside him to look at the face of the person who was driving and I got two fingers stuck up at me. And I said to myself, now if I kept going and give him a nice little tip, he'd be paying dear for my car and his own insurance as well. So that's the thanks you get Tom for stopping. Yes, that's courtesy. On the other hand, there was another man to me today as well. He was in hospital recently. He's 75 years. His birthday was on. He didn't tell anyone it was his birthday, but it would be on the medical card or on his chart in the hospital. And a lovely little nurse came along with three or four, five more nurses with a cake 
and a candle and came in to him and he thought it was the most wonderful thing and it lifted him no end. better than any medicine he got. And that's a bit unusual. Very nice. Well, it's a great gesture. Yes, well, wonderful st- stories like that. That was the Limerick Regional Hospital. Yeah, course, stories like that are good to hear that. Um. Now, that's them two items out of the way. Justice Wolf, he's. Uh, I wish if I was up before Justice Wolf for somebody, I could keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, Tom. It's off again. Uh, well, well, shall it's off? I mean, nothing is off. That's only a sham, that meeting with, like. that meeting with Clark. Is it Clark, Chief Justice, is it? Clark, is it? One of his own, yeah. He's meeting the Chief Justice, I think he has turned it out. I think he has, he has failed to turn up um, three times now. Well, I mean, this is as a result of this famous golf dinner in Roscommon. <coughs> I know, not Roscommon, but out in Galway or someplace, out in Connemara. Connemara. And uh, it shows you the actual, and it's one, it's one of the areas here that we've covered. And I have, I mean, I have, I mean, spoken about it on, on numerous occasions. And I fail to understand this whole idea that the, the privilege and the and the place that our justices have in society and how they have them. There are ninety percent, ninety-five percent of my political impl- uh, uh, political appointees. They're all, they were all aligned to political parties. Some of them, <laughs> even in recent years, they were all involved. One of, one of them in recent years who became a justice was involved with the Workers' Party, who were, who were a nice outfit. And uh, they had a good record at the time and, and their associates. And uh, to listen now every day to this, this behaviour, it shows you, you see, that when these things are brought into the public domain, how, like, it's very upsetting for the other judges because they don't want, they don't want to be drawn into any controversy. They want to, to maintain this, like, uh, all of respectability that they have. If anyone listening would, would have, have a tune in to CNN or one of those and to see the actual, the, the questioning that Trump's appointee to the actual, to the height, to the Supreme Court in America is going through. They know very well the difference between our judges and the American judges and what they have to do to in actual fact to be appointed and to get uh, to get appointed and to get by the by Congress and by the and by the president. I mean, this is what's happening now is an absolute disgrace, an absolute disgrace, and it brings the whole judiciary into disrepute in my name, in my opinion, sorry, in my opinion, and it shows you again the canivary and the skullduggery that's gone on here for 50 years or 60 years between the political system and our justice system. And it shows you the actual, that as again quoting another famous man, A.J. Chopra, that came here to bail us out when he left Ireland and he's one of his Parting shots was, I can't get near this judicial system, this legal system, and that was that in itself is now coming to coming to pass. I don't know. Did he come to bail us out, or did he come to straighten us out, Tom? Well, Whatever. Uh, it's ten o'clock hotel. He came to bail us out because he couldn't straighten us out. Break, and we'll be he back couldn't bail us out. He couldn't straighten us out. All he could do was bail us out. Yeah. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. 
Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limwick 102 FM on the 14th of October 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Catherine Corwell and Damien Harrington. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome back, listeners. You're tuned to West Limit FM in County Views. My name is Pat O'Donovan, and tonight's panel is Catherine Caldwell, Damien Harrington, and Tom Ryan. So, if you want to take us in on any topic whatsoever you would like the panel's opinion on, this program is live, so you have until now till 11 o'clock to do so. And I'm most unfair to this panel tonight, indeed. And I suppose people should know if sometimes they might pick it up that we don't have any planning or preparation whatsoever. We all arrive in about half past nine, sit down and hope for the best. So we give you our honest opinions as we believe them to be. And we're not telling anyone what to say or what not to say because we don't have any time to do so. So uh, this is one I'm landing out on top of the panel tonight. I just looking at the paper there a little while ago and they're not aware of what's coming up either. And it is this. Postmaster and County Kildare stole 91,000 from customers to fund cocaine habit. And I was also reading the paper. You can read them every bloody day. But this was a local Limerick person not too far away from this area. We're broadcasting and indeed within the area we're broadcasting too. And he was down in West Cork for a weekend in August and it seems he drank too much and he ran around the hotel with a fire extinguisher and banged the doors and did some damage and so forth. It was out of character as usual and he had drink taken on an empty stomach. But between too many drugs, drugs and drink and you have all these appalling happenings. Tom, I'll start with you again. Yeah, well, Sir Pat, I mean, the, the, the biggest and the original drug, I suppose, in this country, and the course of it at the moment, is, is drink and alcohol. Drugs are now, I mean, are now, I mean, taken, closing the gap, and uh, it will frighten you across the board, the amount of money that's involved, the amount of money that the are finding, which is only pittance in comparison to what they're, what they're not finding, and the obstacles are put in their way to try and, and stop these gangs, which is too late now because they're under control. So, like, cocaine and drink, they don't go hand in hand, but it's getting very, very, it's getting very common, Pat. And the damage that's been done to people and to families and to society, in general, you, you couldn't it seems to be rampant, Catherine, from what I hear from the younger, well, when the pubs were open and active, they said you could smell it walking past the pub. I, I wouldn't smell it if I would know what I was smelling anyway. So. You wouldn't be smelling cocaine. You'd be, you'd be, I wouldn't know no, what I'd be no, smelling. No, no, you'd be seeing, you'd be seeing people <laughs> wiping the bottom of their nose and sniffing um, if it was cocaine, apparently. I, I out, think if you were sniffing, now they'd run a mile for you. This is it. This is it. Um, I mean, the, there's all sorts of stories that go around about political 
persons and and proclivities and and so forth. I think some there was some time back there was tests done on the tops of toilet seat, uh, toilet cisterns in in the doll and um, and and the the toilets in and around and traces of cocaine were found at that time. I mean, I, I've, I, I don't travel in such circles. I do feel that one of the issues that we are, we have a tendency to go into in, 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 in our attitude to, to drug addicts is to see them as choosing this. And, and certainly within... Not sorry, Catherine, not necessarily addicts. Really, uh, just people taking it, you know. Well, the, extreme, um, the extreme end of it. Well, yeah, I mean, but but the thing is, if you if you look into the the whole area of of drug addiction and where somebody where somebody is using cocaine and they're they're feeling like they have to use cocaine. This man, who who was in the post office, he obviously felt he had such a need to to use cocaine that he was prepared to rob his customers. He was prepared to to do what is totally, totally unacceptable behaviour. Um, but he was prepared to do that because of his addiction. And the addiction was one that in some analysis, and I think there's a lot of truth in it, that the addiction is based within trauma in the individual. So it's a, a way of trying to deal with trauma, to escape trauma, to escape an attitude you have to yourself. And you see that in alcohol and you see it in cocaine or you see it in opiates, that people are trying to escape whatever the pain is but in their past. Captain, I, I know a good few alcoholics and they'd be farmers and whatever. And they'd have a lifestyle that wouldn't really have any great pressure whatsoever from what we would gather. You know, they're maybe happy bachelors without any hassle in the world and they're milking a the few cows and they go out to the pub and they forget to come home and they go again and they go again. But, Damien? Um, you know, first, first and foremost, we'll say the post off the postman in Kildare or wherever he was. 91,000 was it, Pat? Yeah, yeah. 91,000. Now I'd say a lot of that was. Uh, it wasn't just on drugs; it was paying off a debt. So he's keeping. He's keeping ahead of his. He's keeping ahead of his men. Um, but Pat, it's going on in every village, in every town. It's what we believe. That, uh, it's serious. It is very serious. Cocaine is. Yeah. Oh it is very God, really. But the difference between cocaine, we'll say, and drinking. I'm I'm just shocked that it's that that cocaine is everywhere. It's every it's everywhere. Coke is everywhere. How do you know, Dem? I believe you me, and um, I could go out to Ballingarry in the morning and get cocaine if I needed it. But um, yeah, that's that's the it's it's everywhere and it's the dish. We'll say say I'm supplying you and. I've supplied, supplied you for a month and you owe me, we'll say, 10,000, 10,000 euros. You haven't got it, you have to get it. And that's, that's where the pressure is coming on. Well, I think last week we saw, if I'm right, Tom, a man that was stabbed to death in Limerick and it was over 100 euros, Tom. 100 euros, that's right, Jim. Oh, yeah. And, <coughs> and, 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 yeah. Due to a drug death of 100 euros, he was stabbed was it 60 times or something. That's, that's right, Jim. But if he, I mean, what Damien's saying there is, I, I, I can, Damien is coming from the younger set, he knows the, he knows the scene. Uh, well, he's been, he's, he, 
he, he, he works in Limerick City and he's very, very active. Uh, and he, he and it's good to hear him saying tonight the actual facts. And you see, this is where we this is where we have failed against. We failed in the alcohol war. The alcohol, the war, and alcohol has taken over. Drugs now are taken over. And uh, McCatton has, you know, makes a case for it. Really, you know, that these people are they're, they're shot or something. They want more excitement. They, they're not happy with that. They have some kind of trauma in their lives. Sure, they all kind of trauma in their lives. And in actual fact, I mean, it's it's the actual. It's and I would certainly agree with you. It's a, it's an addiction, but we really haven't ever discussed it openly. It's a kind of a, again, it's a, it's a drug, it's a hidden drug, it's a lethal, dangerous drug, and, and the, all the opiates that follow through, and the actual, the way it, it has been, the way we have, you know, over the years, I mean, I'm around long enough in Limerick City and around villages and towns and sports and teams and all that. The way we have, as a, as a nation and as a society, have allowed, has allowed it to develop, but you see, it came in the back door with alcohol. Alcohol, like growing up, we say, like was the really part of our, really part of our gene pool. We couldn't do anything. Sure, there was nowhere to go but the pub. Yeah, well, there was plenty of places to go. No, I mean we can have plenty of places to go at the pub. We were not fair no, in a day or I mean there were piles. No, not, yeah. no, no. I yeah. I don't walk. go out anymore. Oh, out for a walk. We need a pub. Yeah. 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 We need a pub. We need that. What's yeah. in every village? Well, what's in every village? But what's in every town now is the pub, the bookies. Pub, the bookies. Well, the bookies is another addiction. Yeah, correct. It's a, it's an addiction. But say I'm friendly with the three of you here, and the three of you, the three of you go down, you put on a bet, whatever the case may be. You hit to the pub or whatever the case may be. But it's drugs, drink, bookies. But the bookies is an actual drug addiction as well, because you're addicted to the en endorphins and the dopamine and all that sort of thing that comes from the actual placing of the bet and the, the anticipation the and all that. The, the main difference between the, the pub and the bookies is after a good few pints you fall down, but that's not the case with the bookies. Mm -hmm. would you agree, yeah, I would 100%. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, the gambling is out of control across the board. We're looking at gambling, youngsters at 12 and 14, gambling online now, on all sorts of things. I mean, the, the gambling companies are, I think there's one of them owned by, uh, by a woman, and I think she's based in Gibraltar. And I think her, her, her salary and her earnings are in the region of of I think about 900 million a year. That's what that's what she's that's what she's gaining out of the actual out of the gambling company loan, and she's the head of it. She's so it's it's massive. It's the, the the whole thing there is if we can turn around and facilitate people to have to to identify where trauma is. We're undealt with trauma. I know I know what you're saying, Tom. We've all had trauma, but some of us have dealt with it in ways that are socially acceptable and some of us are dealing with it in ways that are totally socially unacceptable like stealing people's money yeah. or you know sort but of running around banging on, on doors with fire why should young people know you know that have everything really I mean and I can compare have they everything they Tom? have it oh they have well everything they have everything they have material, material basis material things yeah, 
which are desperate to, desperate to live for anyway. You know what I mean? That, for yeah. a child, for a child growing up, the material stuff is not what they need and want. What they need and want is close relationship and interest and people who are prepared to take the time and listen to them and be with them and make them feel and help them feel like worthwhile and, you know, sort of interesting human but beings. But that would be part of any family, like, it, that should be part of it. Should, of all families. It should be, it should but be, is uh, it? Plus our education system and uh, I, and, but you see, the, I'm just want to compare, you know, I mean, compare then and now and, 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 and I'm lucky that I can. You know that I can see the the, the and now I'm not saying everyone everyone should do the things were right back then, but you see there there is you have emphasised a lot on trauma. Where's the trauma? I don't know. These people have had any trauma. That that you you go into any 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 place. Let it be a, a, a waiting room. Let it be a restaurant, a pub when they're open. Anything, and they're inside. Young people and they're strolling up and down the phone, and there, there's I was I was I was in in a, a restaurant one night. There was eight women at a table, young young women. That they, they were I said well out for the night. They were well, they were well geared up, and they were just having having a cup of coffee actually before and and there was eight of them on eight phones. Like every one of them. No, they so, might have been messaging each other. I, I said they were. If 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 the throat was known. So I mean, there is no this 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 young people and uh, what they have, what they have to be supporting all that. What they're well educated. You, they know what's going on. Tom, if you turn around and look at those women and see what they're doing, can you not see that that would actually lead to an emptiness in their lives? Is, in terms of saying, the connection with. But I'm saying that like no. the emptiness is communication, and you deal with people. You meet people. You Talk to them. They can talk to you. No. My good no, friend, as my good friend Billy Power said to me there one the time, there's more communication nowadays than ever was, and there's no communication. <laughs> well, who's listening? You could cut it in stone, Pat. Hmm? You could cut it in stone. And now, Billy, take take a bow outside yeah. there and kill our team, Billy. Yeah. And we're expecting <laughs> you in here some nights as well. But it's the, it's the, as you're speaking there about the phones and all that, it's the whole concept of it. Tom Ryan has a phone, Pat has a phone, I have a phone, Catherine has a phone. And one of them takes out the phone, Tom, and the other one then has to take out the phone and see if she any messages or whatever the case may be. And the whole, the whole group go the same way. That's, that is, if you have any young fella, if you have any young fella now, any, any, any young girl, whatever the case may be, and they're 14 or 15, it is the phone 100% of the time. There's little thinking now at all. That literally been a brainwashed generation. Now, Catherine, of course, is a, a teacher in Drumcolor College, and among her many t- t- subjects are is beekeeping. And I was looking at a hive of bees today, as I did from time do from time to time. And really and truly, I think that if a person got a chair and sit down beside it to watch those going in and going out, going in and out with their legs pollen packed on their legs. It's a joy to behold, provided you don't sit in front of them because if you do, you might sting. Yeah, no, you're a sore subject now, Pat, as it goes myself. Oh, you got a sting. You I got a sting in the, well, when I swallowed you. See, there's a, that, anyone, anyone, Tom, I, I will say this to you, Tom, and I've said it to the young lads and young ladies that I meet occasionally, and Damien will be very familiar with this. Again, I don't be in pubs, but when I would finish up occasionally over the years and they get a bottle, they take off the top, the bottle. 
They put the bottle into their mouth and they drink the contents, not realising that there's rats and mice and everything peedling down on top of those bottles. Tom Ryan, on the other hand, a very well-educated man and a very intelligent man. Highly educated man. He got a can, a can, a can. And he opened the can and he left it open for the rasp, two rasps to go in and then he drank out of the can. Now, Tom, you probably deserve to sting for that alone, for not being careful. Now, Catherine explained the bees to us there for five minutes. Or well, less. when we're talking about addictions... I think getting children into good quality addictions like beekeeping, do you know, they'd never have money for drugs if they got into beekeeping. And many other things like it, of course. Yes, yes and, or into the GAA or into, into drama or into singing. Things, life, things that give them good quality, feel good emotions out of the doing. Do you know, rather than something that yeah, they have to buy. It's about anywhere in your beekeeping courses <clears throat> and whatever you're doing. We've got a great bunch of students now and I'm zooming between one room and the other. That doesn't mean that I'm, well, I am a little bit running between one room and the other, but we have such a group now to, for social distancing. We have them separated the first years into two groups, one in one room and one in the other. So I'm going by computer from one room into the other. I'm like Scotty being beamed around the place. When you go into them. Well, what it depends on what I'm talking about at the time. It could be plant protection, or it could be um, applied permaculture, where we try to make and do, you know, and try and make make more efficient small holdings enterprises and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. try and try and build for the future is is a lot of what we're doing do you know that pretty more well, people aren't tuned into yeah that. well pat i i <laughs> congratulate Catherine on that because you know I, I i'm a great belief i have a huge interest in in young people and i mean very young people starting off and i mean and we have to reverse the actual trend and the only way it can be reversed is it can be reversed without a doubt and Catherine and I are on different wavelengths, maybe on, 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 on issues. But this is one. This is one where I feel that that our, our, our schooling and our education system it, it has failed bitterly. When we have, you know, we've lost ourselves in academia, and it's correct. not recognising yeah. the practical skills and the importance of those practical skills. They have been undermined too long. But that needs to be supported, you see, by by honest endeavour by the people who are who are in charge of our education system because it, like if we get our young boys and girls to study issues like you've just said nature is one way of it's a great way of, of bringing I mean it's the one thing that really upsets me and and you know is the treatment of animals for instance you know and the treatment of dogs of cats of any kind of an animal like and when you come up in even into the bovine and, and the equine world, I get I get very upset because all these issues, I mean, should be there should be no such thing like as cruelty to animals, and that and so we have to get that into into our system, our education system, and training and educate the, no matter what it costs. We're spending money on on everything. We're spending money on wasting money when this I think 
as you said, Catherine, with the bees, with the, even with birds, with birds, with animals, with dogs, cats, any kind of, of animals, and get them, and even hens and ducks and, and everything. You know, I mean, there's, there's a wonderful world out there. And these young people can be, they can be got interested, and if they do, it, it will work wonders. That's the sort of connection that makes a huge difference in a person's life. And I think you were talking earlier about the whole area, seeing David Attenborough's oh, yeah. programme. Yeah. And, and just the loss. And I think we're all going round with that sense of, of what we're losing. And it makes people, like that we're all carrying a sort of a... He has, a, um, I was saying to Leslie last week, he's a new, his new programme out now. And he said since he started with the BBC in the, in the 60s, to the present day, all the all the creatures, whatever the case may be, that are now as good as extinct, um, how how society has taken over the planet, as I said to you there last week, there's 40 percent, or there was 70 percent, of of um, what's the word he was looking um, of wild area. It's, he said, something has to be done. Something really has to be done. And as you were speaking about the bees, without the bee, we've, we've nothing. Because they pollinate. The, well, the insects, the insect pollination pollinate. is the fundamental of our food system. Yeah, if we have the bees, we're finished. There's a serious threat, of course, with diseases and fertilizers and all that to the bee. Yeah. Oh, the the, the, the whole insecticides now. are, are. I mean, when you see studies that are showing in a in a wildlife preserve over in Germany, that between the 70s and now you've had 70 percent drop in the number of insects. Yeah. That's not looking at the bees. The, the honeybees are probably safer than a lot of the other pollinators because we have a personal interest in them. Well, yeah. they shout about climate, climate change, but the damage with the fertilizers and the chemicals to the bees and, and insects and all that is even more serious, I would think. But the, the, the reality is those, you know. those pesticides and insecticides yeah. are contributing to the climate change too because they're very petrochemical intense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. well, Tom, it was, there, it was on... Uh, one of the farming programs there, and they were below Kilkenny, and they dug up they dug up the the the, the earth in a cornfield, whatever the case may be. Not a worm did they come across because of the pesticides they they did. Oh, they just now, not I, well I yeah. hold it there and air uh, Tom. This is what the text says, Tom. Yeah. Air uh, Tom. They have everything except their parents' time and attention. I'm surprised at you, Kate from Scarif which is a very solid point because the parents today uh, don't give the time or attention just like beekeeping boards, potatoes and eggs. Uh, but I think they do, Pat. I, 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 the young yeah. people think eggs come out of the sun. I wouldn't now. fully agree now with Katie here because... They do a pint be, be, some, yeah, some well, pints. maybe because, you know, generally from, from, from the people that I that I know and see and, you know, mingle with and, 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 and associate with, I said they give a lot of time because they're taking them to school and they're collecting them and they're taking them everywhere and they're, they're with them all the time. But maybe... That's the one that's pick and drop, Tom. Maybe not. You know, people people are, are you know, they're spending a lot of time, they're spending a lot of, lot of money. But Sorry, Tom, I'm Sorry. moving it forward. Yeah. Catherine is like a breath of fresh air. That's what the message says now, Catherine. I'm not saying it myself. <laughs> Catherine is like a breath of fresh air. I would have loved to have her as a teacher, a teacher like her when I was in school, encouraging rather than knocking how refreshing Kate from Scarif. And Con Crimin called. Con, I didn't read this, but I'll chance you, Con. I'll take my chances. 
countryman called No Mess closes during the Spanish flu 100 years ago. Why are we closing them now with social distancing? It is an offence to God and an outrage. Discuss. Discuss that now, folks. But, uh, as you said, there was... It down and lock it down, it would look like it's rampant. Anyway, can I think at the moment my own view on that, on the not locking things down, as they say in the north of Ireland, has gone in, of course, today we have over a 1,000 cases, the highest since this thing began in Ireland, Tom. Well, you know, uh, I, I I certainly disagree with Con totally on, on that, and I believe... And not for the first time, may no, I? No, uh, with Con and myself, I think a different wavelengths at times, but... And I disagree with you, Con, he has, a, he, has a great, he has a great contribution, and good night, Con, and hope you're well. Character, Con, and yeah. you've made very valid points on many notes. Uh, you see... Pat, we're listening tonight now again to the spread and to the second coming of the uh, of the virus, and now they're blaming. First of all, they blamed uh, the blame was on people coming in from from first of all from Italy, then from Cheltenham. They were the first, you know, huge influxes of the virus. Now uh, it's in the community, so they're blaming uh, social activity such as parties drinking parties, birthday parties, holy communions and confirmations in particular, and weddings. And, you know, I know, like, I believe that in actual fact, what should have happened by the church and by the Catholic church and by the GA and by, they should have st stood down all activity until this thing settled down because having it piecemeal and giving uh, you know it would be, be what difference would it make if you if you made your first holy communion in 2020 or 2021 none whatsoever Pat I'd say Tom if they never made it would make any difference to many well, well no Pat we leave that out we could have a good debate on that but you see against that you see when when the leeway was given and these occasions and sacraments that they are, that are hold very highly held by the church there are no kind of a novelty to the public and the, the behaviour and the carry on there is unbelievable so they should have an actual fact well, uh, they should have stopped the message which they did and they should have also stopped the communions and the confirmations and now we'll go that's my opinion uh, Tom I agree with you 100% we'll come on to you then Damien we'll go around in one vice at a time Catherine I, I think religion is very important in people's lives and, and people need to have that sense of connection and facilitating it maybe in ways that are different and I don't think that the television maybe does it in the same way but we don't have the population of priests to be going to the houses to be present with people do you know and I think and you know sort of when we go back to, to the older people who might be very isolated now you know, they're not having their families visit them because they, the families care and don't want to get them infected and they don't have the mass and they don't have meeting people in Caption. <coughs> Caption. lots of sorry, different ways. Sorry for stopping you now, but I, I, I would think, picking up on that about the priests, I think that, that they don't call to houses like they used to in the olden days for, for, and they have plenty of time to call to houses. 
and, and you were quite right about their calling, but not. But they don't seem to call anymore. They have abandoned the ship. There's other organisations, other religious types that are calling to the houses on a regular basis. I, I'm living down in uh, an area, and a priest, uh, there was a fellow there for five years, he's gone. He never came near us, no, we did revive or anyone else either. So the, the, the Catholic Church, they have lost a lot of that. Maybe they're afraid to call because of all the Maybe, carry on. I mean, a priest would hate to, be, to, to see himself as being a vector of COVID as well, I'm sure. Yes. Do you know? I'm talking about prior COVID. Yep. I'm not talking yeah. about the part, oh, sorry, go no, on. Go, no, but I'm just saying now, in a day or now, you've, you've three priests, you've... Uh, Obviously, you've the you've uh, two local. You have a cluster, um, though, haven't you? Is that? It's a cluster, a cluster yeah, now. Whatever. That call it, but yeah. um, two of now, the the two the, the two Irish priests now wouldn't be able to, um, you know, they call they call as Thomas and this, you know, they, I've either of you were saying that no, they haven't seen, seen him, they haven't seen him. But there's a new man in now, and he's a young, healthy man. He take a, I see him walk on the bank of the river there every day. But, I think I think that day is gone. They believe that day is gone, and especially with the COVID. Now I've called him there for mass readings and blah blah blah. But he's very he's very distant, Pat. Yeah. Now change there as well. It is half past ten, and we'll talk about the budget, I suppose, when we come back. And we have a few, quite a few text messages there that we'll come into. So Mark, we're not forgetting you at all, Mark, and hope you're keeping well. And definitely don't don't go outside the front gate at the present time. And, and that applies to everybody and anybody, literally. Somebody says, before I go to the ad break, Khan is dead, right? As I mentioned a few weeks back about the danger of attending Mass and most especially receiving communion. There was a discussion on Joe Duffy this week about the danger of receiving communion. In fact, one lady who called in said her priest distributed communion with the tweezers. Why not have Mass outdoors at the Mass Rocks? Great idea. The above from mm-hmm. Kate from Scarif. You could go up on top of the hills around Killaloo and you wouldn't have a bit of dandruff, not alone COVID-19, when you'll be coming back down out of it again. And we'll be back to you shortly after an ad break. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314-948 Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors TOD.ie You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limwick 102 FM on the 14th of October 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan Catherine Corwell and Damien Harrington As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome back, listeners. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM. My name is Pat O'Donovan. This programme is live until from nine, half nine until 11 every Wednesday night, and it 
repeated tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock to Happy State. And if you want to text in on any topic, 0696 200 or 0871669800. And Jason Smith is as reliable as the ever ready battery. He's there waiting and willing to take your messages, everyone. And on the panel tonight is Captain Caldwell, Damien Harrington and Tom Bryan and anyone listening out there who would like to take part in this programme just give me a ring at my own phone on 87 that is 87 or indeed if you want to take sin on tonight's programme you can also do it on the same number 87 now back to the text messages and this one is from our old friend Mark or our good friend Mark should I say he's not at all Hall Martin has just announced tonight that the Cabinet has this Wednesday night agreed that there is to be a ban on household visits across the country from tomorrow. We can't visit any houses. Visits will only be allowed on compassionate grounds for essential reasons like childcare. The news comes only two hours after the Health Protection Surveillance Centre public confirmed his notified 1,095 cases and five dead. I, it's the next one. Can the panel please give their view on the budget 2021 announced yesterday by Fine Gael Minister for Finance Pascal O'Donoghue? At a glance, budget totalling 17.75 billion announced, the pension age increase to 65 will not proceed. Headline social welfare rates on change 4 billion to be spent on health service, no increase in income tax. 3.4 billion on the Department of Housing, the price for packets of cigarettes up 50 cent. Wage subsidy scheme will be extended to 2021 to people can earn 400 in casual work without losing pandemic unemployment. ICU beds to increase from 255 to 321. Price of petrol and diesel to increase by 1 euro 20 and 150 per tank. Feel respectively. What size tank is that? 50 litres, I think. 50 litres tank. Carbon tax will increase by 750 per year in 2029 and 650. In 2030, to achieve a help to buy a scheme extended through 2021, max rebate for deposit of 30,000. Thank you, Mark, for that information. And then we cover Tom there. And then we have Yuppie. For another Wednesday night, so I can enjoy my favourite topic show with my two knowledgeable men discuss things we want to know. Hi to the panel, and nice to have a lady back. She sounds great. You'll go home with a swelled head tonight, Captain. <laughs> Trump wanted to kiss everyone, both men and women, so he better keep away from my darling Tom. You booked in there, Tom. <laughs> as as I sent him my usual big kiss from Polly the Port. A wonderful, wonderful lady indeed, Polly. Real Polly. Thank you. Thank you. Request there on the John Harold <laughs> program earlier in the evening, and I should have also said thanks, John. A, a wonderful man here, John Harold. Then fabulous music, and of course Monday night here is the best of American country. From nine o'clock to half past ten on Monday nights, and of course then tonight as well from half seven to half nine. Uh, Pat, John Kiley jumped in me. Pat, John Kiley suggested the evening the championship was never called off be- before because of a virus, and hopefully it won't be now that his players are adapting. It goes ahead. What about the safety? Surely that's more important, Sean O'Sullivan. It sounds a strange thing if that's what he said, Tom Ryan. He said it was never called off before because of a virus. We never had a virus like this since the Spanish flu in 1918. 
yeah that's a fact Pat you know that, uh, I'm, I'm surprised myself you know but it is I, I think it's had with leap comment as well now to be honest about it because we look around in particularly the football has is resuming at the weekend and we see what's happening to the devastation of the teams in the north with the virus and there's no doubt about it it will affect the in holding teams as well so like I, again we have to wait and see you know it's again it's, it's like the mass electorate I was against in my opinion didn't I have any weight anywhere but I mean I was against the, the GA holding any championship in the, for this this year, you know, just to leave it. It wouldn't be of any, you know, that people saying, oh, to be missed and people would have mental health problems over it. And anyone that has mental health overhauling in football and soccer and rugby, I mean, they're, they're, not good, they're in bad cases anyway. They're not going to be helped out, I mean, by any ban or any any control. So, like, it, it is a pity, like, that that these, because, you see, and we actually mentioned it here, Pat, early on, when this, when, uh, in particularly about sport, you see, they're all saying these matches are play are being played behind closed doors, but your every every house like is packed with people looking at them on television. They're all drinking. I mean, and I know that in, in the local clubs below there were parties. Fellas, I know fellas they got out in the main road below and in the main road to find and how they got home. I don't know. And coming from these parties and these that there were televisions and food and all, there'd be occasions when the local clubs were playing like. So I mean, you see, that is the problem. They should have been cancelled and littered. Catherine. I I find it hard to have an opinion. I I I think it would it's important for people to have their sport, to get out and play their sport, and to be socially distanced. But I think when I saw the young lads, and this is no no offence to anybody, but it was there at the base of Knockfirna, down at the at the the gas station, and they'd obviously they'd won their match, and they were getting an ice cream, but. My lad in the car was horrified because they were all standing up and around each other. There was no such thing as social distancing amongst them. There wasn't a mask to be seen. At a stage when we were all wearing masks, yeah. going in and out of the shops. Signs on tonight, we have the highest ever at 1,095 new cases. <coughs> but can I say something to you there, Pat, now, uh, in comparison to the start, the start of the... Of the COVID. Yes, in March... People are saying now that we have a huge amount of cases. But, um, the detection of those cases is a lot easier and a lot quicker now than what it was in March. Oh, certainly. The, the, so there's, the, the number that's, of testing that's the difference. There's probably There was probably as much, if not higher, in March, but it wasn't, it wasn't clocked in. But now you have, you, have far, you have far more places to get checked out. You have far more places to get checked out. So the case, the, there's, there's more numbers going in. But what point are you making, Damien? No, but Pat, Pat, Pat was saying there about a thousand, over a thousand cases. A thousand to ninety, ninety yeah. five, yeah. But I was saying, if people think that's high, I was just p making the point that it could have been that in March, Tom. But we are talking about now October, mid-October. I know, but I'm just yeah, saying... And we're talking about the actual, the, the consequences of it and, you know, and, oh. and, and how it can be controlled now. You know, they, they yes. don't talk about March now, March is gone. They were talking about November, I December. I understand that. You see, you know, and uh, I, I'm not putting a question or anything, but I just want to kind of pull this thing, this thing into perspective, like... I know, but, but my, my, point, my point, Tom, yeah. is people are saying at the moment... The, um, 
the amount of cases after rocketing. But my point is, yes, maybe it's after rocketing, but we hadn't we hadn't the, the process to, to check those cases in March. And what I am saying is, maybe we had a, the equal amount in March or March, April, yeah, May. Maybe we had, but we know what we have now, and we yes. know that the, the, the numbers are rising. The, the consequences of those, you see, Pat, is a real problem here. Our hospitals, like our hospitals, are going to be are going to be chaotic now. They won't be able to cater because pro rata, like from a thousand and ninety cases, you know, I mean, that's like in early August. I mean, the cases were down to maybe nearly just double figures, you know. And but you see, so what happens now? Our ICUs are going to be full naturally by the natural progression and and even the numbers came alone and uh, so like our hospitals are going to be chowed up we have to go back in and maybe take over again the private hospitals and put into into actual, into effect the field hospitals have we sat through that have we you know and as a result of that there are those people who came back to Ireland from overseas who didn't end up getting jobs but hold on Catherine so yeah, you, we come to that Catherine mate. that's a valid point but we come to that yeah, we come to that in a minute. No, people they encourage them to go back, and I know I know many of them. Yeah. They booked in to Dublin, and they had very expensive accommodation, and they ne- ne- never got one day's work. They yeah. were never called. Absolutely, and I'm surprised it has been. But Pat, a few times. Yeah. Why is no media no, tackling this like? Very little, very little. Very little. And a total scandal. Yeah. But, scandal. But even, you see, so what's going to happen now is, and what's happening already, is that our regular, like, I mean, services are, are, will all be curtailed, uh, operations will be stopped. And, uh, you know, these numbers are now, they're coming, all, they're coming late in the day now, Captain. Which it was, it was foreseen by the, I mean, by the, Team they had there to do for the foreseed, but it wasn't, it wasn't accepted by the government but three the, weeks but ago. We always had to expect that as autumn came on, what was it? What is usually a, a season of respiratory stuff? The kids go back to school. What happens? The number of flu cases go up. Which we know the that. number of colds go up. Uh, that's, the that's known, and the COVID is coming up as well. Now and a lot real of us. Winter, real winter didn't come in yet. Now I'm going back to the text yeah. machine. And uh, da, da, da. we have a few fans anyway, Tom. Two women in County Clare, Sarah in Kilkishan, and she says, listening in from Kilkishan, school needs to support parents who do not allow kids to have phones. Many secondary schools allowing use of phones in class. It is wrong and puts pressure on kids with no phones. So that whole thing of phones and children, and they literally do what they like. Um, well, sure, we've, we've discussed that. It, it's a very, very valid point, and it's, it, it's a huge. Like the classroom yeah. having, having a mobile phone. It's a pure. It, but sure, a that, lot of schools yeah. don't allow it, but and if you have the phone, it's taken from you. To the principal and to the school and management's policies, and if you, as, as well, we we've spoken about it here hundreds of times. That was the first, you know, when when that started. I mean, and when it was tolerated and allowed, and excuses being given that you have to be in touch with your child. And all, the, and all this and all these lame excuses put in people were able to manage when they had no phones at all when the elderly when when, they, when the parents hadn't phones and I mind the children having mobile phones now so like 
pet, you could have a good program in that, and you, you, you could have three programs about it, and you get nowhere because. No, I think I'll, I'll, gone, I'll, I'll, I'll do this again. I'll, I'll do them anyway. I, I think I read this one already, but I didn't do it properly. Back to Khan again. Khan, you were very popular. Khan. Khan is dead right, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, about the danger of attending Mass and more especially receiving communion. There was discussion in Jordan this week about the danger of receiving communion. In fact, one lady who called in said he used the phrase, it's a priest that is, why not Mass and Mass? That was from Kate in Scarif. So our thanks to Kate and also Sarah in Kilkishan, and I hope Sarah in Kilkishan, you, you have all the children put into bed and they're all nice and quiet. And I read the one from uh, Polly. Do you want me to read it again, Tom? No. Can the panel please discuss the new rules coming into play for next year for the farmers who will no longer be able to purchase cattle dose from agri-coops? Farmers will be solely tied to purchasing from veterinary practices only. This is absolutely madness, and it's setting up a cartel for the vets to charge those farmers what they like, as if we don't pay them enough already. I'm no longer a member of the IFA, thank God, as they let me down before, but the question is, I ask, what are they doing about this? Why aren't they lobbying to stop this new rule? Mike and Kilmalik again, Mike, a wonderful supporter here, and he senses all kinds of facts and figures. Uh, some of those national stations, they have, if you read out, uh, look at the list on television, they could have 10 and 20 supporters. All I have here, the supporters are sitting in front of me, and Mark Tierney, of course, a wonderful supporter as well, and sends us many wonderful statistics, as does Mike and Kilmalik as well, and indeed many of the other callers. But those two gentlemen are literally outstanding with the amount of information, and it's always accurate, which is vitally important because we'd hate to be walking into some trap here. And Con Kremen, government looking for more powers for Gaudi top people in the Guardian judiciary not keen in the idea. Pick up Tom. On what person? Like Tom. Well, I, I suppose Tom. Uh, well, I suppose is the, yeah, the, right there about yeah. veterinary situation. But that has, that Pat is in is in situ for a good while now. Uh, the veterinary organisations, like in, in the veterinary body, were able to uh, were able to uh, finagle their way into the take into the supplying of medicines for for for, for uh, remedies in cattle. Usually, I mean. Up to recently, uh, you could go into a couple of years ago. You could go into all the local chemists, and you could buy the warm doses, and you could buy remedies for different ailments in bovine and equine. And uh, you know, no, there are no, there are no charitable organisations. I don't know the actual. I mean, the chemists let me put my point forward there. But at least with competition, the co-ops were able to supply it as well. Now, now the veterinary organisations and their professionals, I mean, what they have got away with, like, and what they're still getting away with, and with the blessing of the Department of Agriculture and the local, and, and the local veterinary offices that are there terrorising farmers. That's what they're doing. They're an absolute disgrace. And I think the trade organisation, the government should be, this this should be handled under the Trade Descriptions Act or the unfair trading, whatever whatever legislation is there, that, that cartels cannot be allowed. And this is a cartel. It's a cartel to rob people. That's what they're doing. Tom, do you think that the reason for this is so that they have a kind of a registry of purchase of veterinary medicines so the tracking can be done so that people can't be medicating over and above and trying to, you know, sort of slip things in and not be, be traced. And that 
if we turned around and said that the co-ops could sell them but only if it's bought with a card and so that it could be traced on that basis that then it could stay with the co-ops as well as being with the veterinaries. Well, of course, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there, Catherine, because that's, how to, that's, the, that's the guys that, that these rules have been brought in under, you know, con, uh, traceability. The traceability now, in actual fact, I, I, I believe myself that if they had given the actual, the, this um, tracing, uh, you know, the tracing, sourcing and tracing, COVID situation to the Department of Agriculture, they'd be able to they do a much better job in that because they have they have more control now over our animals, in uh, particularly the bovine animals, which mean the cows and calves and, and cattle, than they have on human beings. And what's going on is is really it's a real racket. That's what it is, and it's it, it is they, they, themselves and the vets. They remind me of the accountants and the and the other the, the, the accountants auditors and the revenue they are playing hand in hand and they're really the money that's been poured into that area and that's been squandered is unreal and when you, when you listen to the billions yesterday were handed out to the government and see what these people do and, and what they do to people and how you deal with them now I Tom mean, uh, another one here I agree with Tom Ryan and panel races suicide bill there is nothing compassionate about the administration of a lethal injection compassion is the care we give to those in need little injection ends life. In recent times in Ireland, we have allowed the values of the marketplace obliterate our Christian values. The marketplace no, the marketplace no, has no value on the old. They do not produce. If this bill is passed, life in its most vulnerable stages, the unborn and the old, can be legally ended. What a sad country we have become. Well, Pat, that's stayed on, Pat. We've, but we've been an advocate of that, Pat, here on the programme, like, and a strong advocate of it, like, and, and um, I must say as well, not with a whole lot of support, no, I don't. Joan in Drumcolor. Yeah, that's one. Uh, that, what I noticed about it anyway is that is those people in favour of the, the, the easy death, or whatever they're calling it, they're on all the time. Constantly, you know, they are, yeah, they're on all the media. But we've covered the pattern, and we'll come back on it again, you know, because it is, we, I would hope that we could, that we could... Uh, surely, get on the, surely on me, so on media, like the, the radio and that sort of thing, that they're supposed to have both sides of the argument? Supposed to have, yeah. But <coughs> if you... There's still always the case. Balance. Definitely not the case. There's still always the case. Now, I was listening to Joe Duffy today. Do you listen to Joe Duffy today? No, I don't kind of... Oh. It, it, it was something about some <laughs> operation in Dublin which wasn't up to the mark anyway and uh, young people. Now, Khan says government looking for more powerful Gaudi, top people in the Gaudi and judiciary, not keen on the idea. What government want more powers for Gaudi? What more powers do they want? Well, he might be relaying, uh, relating it to the, to the, to the business. Yes, to the, to, because that's very loose, Pat. Check out the house. Yes, of course, yeah. So the, the Gaudi can't go near houses. The constitution would, 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 uh, would prevent that. And, uh, you know, this is why they're in a, they're in, in no man's land. They can't actually, they, you know, and it, it wasn't set out properly in law from the word go. You know, there should have been fines and there should have been a, a basic a basic set of, of rules. And, and if they were disobeyed, if people were breaking those rules, they should have been fined and, and early on. Now, it, I think it, you can't 
throw that back and people now don't care because they know the girls can't do anything anyway only give out or maybe you're turning them back or but the, the, I come in there from Shannon Town daily there's two there's two stops now with the girls sure what they're doing Tom basically standing on the road and waving the traffic on that's yeah. all that's all they can do they can do nothing else yeah because I was, I saw that trip point there, yeah, you know, at, at, under at, the bridge, under the bridge, like and there at the tunnel, yeah, you know, there at the weekend as well. It was a huge. There was about twelve or thirteen yards there, there, you know. But, nice yeah, but as I said, Tom, they, yeah. they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, they were just, they just do. showing yeah. their presence. A nice pleasant guard there stopped me the other night near Castle Island about half nine at night, and she asked me. I was heading for Limerick, and she asked me what was the purpose of my visit. Yeah of my trip. I said, and I yawning, I said, I'm going home. <laughs> she waved me on. Now, Halloween, folks. I have a lot of complaints from people, very annoyed people. They have bangers and eggs and crackers. Again, those things are illegal. The, 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 the crackers or the bangers, which they're banging around the place, they're frightened life out of dogs, mainly and eggs against windows is absolutely a scandal the, the damage it does to doors stick to the door the eggs and of course also this whole trick and treating <coughs> business which is a kind of a new thing and new to me anyway and th that's been recommended to be banned because uh, even yes. behind mountain tonight you're not allowed to visit anyone's house so that whole halloween thing tom Stop the ritual there. Well, you mean... Five, I'm not saying you were five minutes. We have five minutes left. Halloween like, has really gone over control, hasn't it? It's become big commercial. Yeah. You know, it, it, we've taken over the American style. And uh, I suppose, really, it, it's nearly... It's nearly... It'll be as Christmas now, you know. For, again, for it, it, it's a commercial venture, the sport, and this made millions for companies, you know, making ghosts and gold and kind of things. And you know, I, I think it's ridiculous myself, but you know, it's been built up. It's, they do, there was a good sales job done there and it's working for them. I I think it's a lot of rubbish myself. Can I suggest that, that maybe families get back into the old traditions? Do you remember bobbing for apples and trying to bite the apple hanging from a string in the middle of the doorway? Those were great tricks that we used to do. Or, do you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I was a kid and, and we grew up in Dublin and we did do, do, did do trick-or-treating up in Dublin. And I can remember the first time I took my kids trick-or-treating locally out in and around Ballon Ranch. Sure, people weren't expecting us at all because it wasn't a tradition Round down there. in the country. Or Kilmeady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do you know, I mean, that, I hate to say it, if somebody, if someone... One of the young fellas' friends so I'm out biting an apple like I mean the poor young fella never leave it down because <laughs> he'd be slagged for 12 months yeah, but no, nobody's going to see because nobody's in the, in the other houses you're all in your own houses messing yeah. with each other now there's a couple of more here we try to get them in before yeah. time is up uh, whoever wrote the text about the death for dignity bill have not read the details I'm afraid Kate from Scarif that's your third one Kate we appreciate them all and thank they're all nice and short and thanks very much if you keep going Kate with those the writing you, you, you could be taking on that famous lady Edna O'Brien your neighbour out there in Scarif who moved away to London she decided she was getting out of Scarif anyway 
many years ago. Your panelist, Tom Ryan, is absolutely spot on about the vets and the charges they are making to us farmers. They come out and give a dose of cocktails to the sick animal in question, and they hope that one of them will work. Bring back Jim Fitzgibbon, R.I.P., do you know him? Well, oh, famous man. Jim Fitzgibbon, R.I.P., with us. That's what I said. That was the chemist shop in Limerick. With shop in Limerick. You might explain yeah. all that. You'll understand the best of night, yeah. right? Yeah, Jim Fitzgibbon and was and other chemists That's as well. That's Pat in Ireland. Yeah. The, oh, Jim Fitzgibbon and other chemists like him, all the old chemists, the old distributors, and animal remedies. Some of them actually did it up themselves. But you see, it, 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 they were all... They were all they all, all lost that business completely. A lot of them built that business and it was as big as their business with their, with, with, with their only population, you know. But uh, again, that's what happened there. The, the, the vets, in order to quell opposition and put, it out of, put them out of business, just took over, the, took over all, that, all that work. Catherine? Oh, and get back. The doctors were the same, Catherine, the mixed doors. We, we have to get back to, the, to the, the idea of health being the primary. Rather than treat, <clears throat> treating the sick, let's build health. And that's the same for the animals as it is for the humans. So the animals need a better mineral um, sub- supplements coming in, better forage that isn't based just primary on, on ryegrass. That diversity in our food supply helps us to be healthy. Yeah, I mean, you're too young to remember, but I, I'm not. And I remember they went to the doctor and he usually made up a bottle or a mix or so forth and all that done away with completely, as, as Tom and Catherine says, you win now and you pay through the nose or as Patty now just says, it's all controlled, it's marketed. I mean, as young fellas and young ladies, I mean, if you went to the doctor, I mean, you're at dead store as young fella. But now you go down if you've a pay, if you've a pay in the big toll. Yeah. But Pat, and just a quick one there before we finish. Last one. Um, you see, Pat, this whole situation, and, and, I mean, what do you call their early on about IFA? I mean, they're an absolute disgrace like that they, with what they have allowed, the, I mean, the family community to, for, to, for, to undertake. I was actually told yesterday by, uh, by a veterinary official in the Department of Agriculture in Limerick that now there's two ways of reading the TB test. I mean, we'll have to do a program on this, Pat. You know, I mean, it's it's gone so serious now, and I mean, and and uh, I'm so investigating it, looking at it at the moment. But we need a program on it. We need to we need to talk about. Jason is waving two hands at me, not two fingers now, which is a bit of a change from what I got in Bell and Gary today from that gentleman. He might have been a gentleman if he didn't get a shot with me blowing the hood. So my thanks, folks, to Kate and Claire, Sarah and Kilkishan and all the others and Mark Tierney of course, and Mike and Kilmallock, wonderful, wonderful helpers with us, supports here, and Pat Heldon and all the other ones in between there. But thank you for your calls, and next week we'll be back again doing it all over again, and we didn't go into the budget too much because I'm sure you're sick and tired of listening to the budget, but you'll be learning the effects of it as the year goes on. Pat, so we need to thank Damien for coming for tonight. It's lovely having a young man today, yes, a younger yes, person yes. for a change. Yeah, you, and, and I hope
hope you settled there well and Tom Ryan didn't upset you too much no, when, you, when he, when he took that on slap. But there's a lot more in him indeed. So, yeah. he, so we're going over time, folks, and tune in again tomorrow evening if you want to know what you said or I said or she said at 7 o'clock until half past 8 and until next Wednesday. Don't visit any neighbours. If he's an old person, you should visit him. It could come under childcare. But watch out for the older people. And no, take care, take care, take care. Good, Good night, night, God bless. 102 FM. You've just been listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on Westland Wick 102 FM on the 14th of October 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Damien Harrington and Catherine Corwell join Pada Donovan and Tom Ryan for the discussion. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.